With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Kedushan Daf Memches, page 48. So until now we were speaking about this brisa, and we're still going to continue a little bit with the brisa that says that if a man wants to marry a woman with a milva with a loan, he wants to transfer a loan, something that's owed to him, to be, to be now owed to her. So we had a machlokis, an argument between Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim. Rabbi Meir says that he can't do that, and Chachamim said you can't do that. And we said that there are two cases. One is where he's transferring a loan that's written into a document, and one is a case where she, uh, he's transferring to her a loan that was not written into a document. It's just a verbal loan. So now the Gemara wants to know, what is the case of the verbal loan? We're seven lines in, last word on the line. What are they arguing about in regards to whether or not you can be married if he transferred to her a loan that was done verbally? They're arguing about the statement of Rav Huna Marav. Rav Huna Marav. Rav Huna said in the name of Rav. Let's say Ruvain owes Shimon money, and Shimon wants to give over that money to Levi. So if they do it with all three of them standing there, so Rashi tells us that the Gemara Gittin says that this is one of the three things that the Gemara says is a milsabloy taima. It's something that works without an explanation. And the, the transfer occurs that Ruvain now has to give the money to Levi, as long as all three of them were standing there. So that's what we say. Mar Savar, Rav, So now, when is Ruhuna saying this in the name of Rav? Is this only in regards to a, a, a Pikadon or is it also in regards to a Milva? Pikadon is where I give you money and I say that I want you to watch this money for me, but I don't give you a right to use the money. So that's simple. Obviously, if the money is still there, uh, Shimon gave the money to Ruvain. Now, Ruvain has the $100 that's still sitting in his house. He hasn't touched it. He hasn't used it. So now to transfer that money so it's now owed to Levi, so as long as the money is there, that's obvious that that can be done. Now, the question is, what about in regards to Amilva? Let's say Ruvain was allowed to use the money, and he went and he used the money, and the money's not there as it originally was anymore. Can that be transferred to a third party? So here's what we're saying over here. One of them holds that when does Rav say that you can do it? Only if the money is in its original state because he didn't have permission to use the money. Can the money be transferred to a third party? But not in regards to a loan. So over here we're talking about a case of a loan where the man is transferring to this woman a loan, uh, and it was done al it was done without a document. So the question is, can it be done? So according to this one, no, it can't be done, and therefore she hasn't received anything, and therefore, according to the Chachamim, she's not going to be married. Umar Savar, however, Rebbe Meir holds, that there's no difference between a, a loan, where the guy is going to use the money, or where he asked him to watch the money. In both cases, even though the money is no longer there, it's not it's an original, in its original form, Rav would still say, according to Rabbi Meir, that the transfer works, and therefore now the money is owed to the woman, and therefore she has received something, and therefore they can indeed be considered married. The Gemara goes back now to the very beginning of what Rav said. Rav said at the beginning of the Sugya that someone wants to marry with a milva, with money that's owed, so we can't do that, according to Rav. So now the Gemara says, Let us say that this statement of Rav is actually an argument between two Tanoim. His Kanchi Libishtar. Let's say a man says to a woman, be married to me with this document. Rabbi Meir, Amir, and Mekudashis. Rabbi Meir says, it's not a good marriage. Rabbi Lezer, Amir, Mekudashis. Rabbi Lezer, however, says, they are considered married. Chachamim, Amir, and the sages say, Shamanasanir, we evaluate the piece of paper. If the paper itself has a value of a pruta, Mekudashis, then they're married. But if not, they're not married. What is this document that he's trying to marry her with? If we're talking about the document that states that someone else owes this man money, that can't be the case because we said, in the previous brisa that Rabbi Meir holds that if you have a document that you're giving over to her that states that someone else owes him money so you can indeed marry her with that 
So it must be the case is not talking about that case. It must be talking about a document that states that she owes him money. And we can say that they're exactly arguing about about, about Rav. Rav says that if you are Mekadosh Mimulik, try to marry with money that she owes him so that you can't do that. So here we seem to have a Machogistanaim about that. Amr of Nachum Bar Yitzchak, Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak says that that's not the pshat. That's not what we're talking about here. Hachav Ma'askin, and what are we talking about? Kigon Shekicha Bishtar, Shein Alav Edim. He's actually not trying to marry her with value. He's not marrying her with something that's written to the star. Some kind of someone owes him money. She owes him money. No, not, nothing to do with that. He's actually just trying to marry her with a document. One of the three ways that you can get married is with the document that states, "I am marrying you." So, but what's the problem here? This document doesn't have any witnesses signed upon the document. Rabbi Meir Letaimeg. This is Rabbi Meir according to his own reasoning. The Amr he says elsewhere in regards to again in regards to divorce document. So it's essential to have the witnesses signed upon the document. Those are the things that create the chalos, the efficacy of the document. So therefore, Rabbi Meir would say the same thing as well over here in regards to kedushin. And since there are no witnesses, therefore, Rabbi Meir will say that the document is invalid. Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Lazar says it is good. Why the Amar Edim is Karti. He holds in regards to gerushin, and therefore also in regards to kedushin, both divorce and marriage. So the main witnesses are not the witnesses that are signed upon the document itself, but rather the witnesses that are watching it happen. So therefore, it doesn't matter, according to Rabbi Lazar, even if there are no witnesses signed on the document, it's kosher. So therefore, he holds that in this case, it's indeed kosher. Rabbanon, what are the rabbis? So, they're not sure, Iker Rabbi Meir, Iker Rabbi Lazar, whether the halach is like Rabbi Meir, that he needs to have witnesses signed upon it, or like Rabbi Lazar, who says they don't need to have witnesses signed on it. Hilkach, so therefore they say, you evaluate the value of the piece of paper itself. If the paper itself has value, so then he can marry her with the paper itself. And if not, so then they're not considered married. Another explanation. We consider that the cases where there was a document that has all the proper things that are necessary. However, there's something that's missing. What's missing is when the scribe originally wrote the document, he didn't have in mind when he wrote Ruvain. He didn't have in mind this Ruvain. When he wrote Sprinzi, he didn't have in mind this woman. However, so what's the issue with the Rishlakish Kamifiki? And they're arguing about the following statement of Rishlakish. The boy Rishlakish asks the following question. If you have a document stating that someone wants to get married, but it was not written for the right people, mahu. What's the halacha? Do we say that we connect marriage to divorce? And just like when when it comes to a divorce document, it has to be written for the right people. So too in regards to marriage, a marriage document also needs to be written for the right people. Perhaps we attach different types of marriage. Just like in regards to money. So the money doesn't have to be minted for the right person. Meaning when you mint it, you don't have to be thinking about this person, Ruvain, who's, divor- who's marrying, I'm sorry, his wife, Sprinzi, so too in regards to the marriage of a document, it also doesn't have to be written for the right people. After he asked the question, so Rish Lakish answered the question. The Yatsav Haisa, the verse says, she shall be divorced, she shall go out, and she'll go and get remarried. So this teaches us that we connect the concept of marriage with the concept of divorce. So therefore, it's according to Rish Lakish, so just like divorce has to be written, Lishma, the divorce document has to be written with the right people in mind, so too a marriage document has to be written with the right people in mind. So the case we're talking about here is a case where it wasn't written with the right people in mind. Mar is like the Reish Lakish. One holds like Reish Lakish that has to be written with the right people in mind. And that's like Rabbi Meir who said that the document is no good since it wasn't written with the right people. Mar less like the Reish Lakish. And Rabbi Lazar holds no, that you don't have to write it with the right people in mind. And therefore, even though the document was not written for them, it's still going to be a kosher document. Another possibility we can explain this argument. Everyone agrees to Reish Lakish that it has to be written with the right people in mind. And what's the case of 
Rebbe here was indeed written for the right people, v'shalemi da'ita, but the problem here is that it wasn't written with her knowledge. And they're arguing about the following argument between Rav and Ravina, Rapapa and Rav Shuravia. Let's say it was written for the right people, but she's not aware. Rav and Ravina both say that it's fine, the document does not have to be written with her awareness. And Rapapa and Rav Shuravia say that they're not considered married. So, so to over here, when Rabbi Meir says that they are not considered married, it's because he holds that since the document was written without her knowledge, therefore it's problematic. And according to Rabbi Lazar, no, the document doesn't have to be written with her knowledge, and therefore they are considered married. The Gemara continues, Let us say that this statement of Rav, that if someone tries to marry a woman with money that she owes him, that it doesn't work, it's actually it's an argument between Tanoim. Let's say a woman says to a man, make for me some kind of jewelry, a nose ring or a regular ring, and I'll marry myself to you with that. holds that once he does that, in fact, so they're considered married. The sages say, that no, they're not married until the money gets to her hands. Hey, hi, mom, and hey, chidami. What's the case? What is this money that we're talking about that has to get to her hands? If it's referring to the jewelry that he made for her, we can deduce the Tanakhama Savar that Rabbi Meir holds that, the, that the, the jewelry itself doesn't even have to get to her hands and they're considered married. What's he marrying her with? It must be that there's different money that he's using to marry her, meaning the money that's, that's now owed to him. And we can deduce that we're talking about a case she owes him money now for the work that he's done, and he's trying to marry her with that money that she owes him. So we see that exactly what Rav says is actually a mar- an argument between Tanaim. Everyone agrees. That the way it works when you hire somebody to work for you is that every single moment that he's working for you, so each moment you now owe him another penny, another penny, another penny, as he works for you. So therefore, everything vahava milva. So it's considered like a loan. My lab let us say that this is what they're arguing about. That the one that one holds that if you try to marry somebody with money that's owed to you, so they're considered married. That would be Rabbi Meir. And the sages who say that you're not considered married is because they hold that you try to marry a woman with money that's owed to you, that you can't be married. So that would be a problem with Rav. So my answer is no. Like the everyone agrees that if you try to get married with money that's owed, you can't do that. Here the argument has to do with the fact: how do we view the way what, the way that you owe the money to somebody who's working for you? Marsavar one holds. We turn to Memchasam Beis page forty-eight b. That when do you owe the money? Only at the very very end, meaning when the man finishes, completes doing all the work that the woman requested, and he gives her the object. So until that moment, she doesn't owe him anything. So And before he actually gives it to her, he says, I'm marrying you with the money that you're about to owe me. So at this point, she doesn't owe the money yet. So it's not called a milva, and therefore he has the ability to marry her with that money. The other one holds that it doesn't work, the Chacham, the sages, it's because they hold that no, the way it works is not that you owe the money at the end. That's not how it works. You owe the money every single moment that he's working. Every single moment is another another penny, another pruta, whatever it is. And then, so therefore, it's considered money that she owes him, and you can't marry her with a milva. You can't marry with some money that's owned. Another possible explanation. Everyone agrees that the way it's working is that you owe the money as the work is done. So when you try to marry somebody with money that's owed, they're not considered married. 
And what's the case over here? So Rashi explains that the case over here is talking about a case where you agree that you're not paying by the hour or by the day for the work, but you're, pay- you're paying for the job to get done. And therefore, what happens in such a case? So we're going to have an argument about when a person is working, a craftsman is working on a certain object and, and making it better, does he actually acquire the object in the process of making it better? Rabbi Meir, who says that you can get married with this thing, because he holds that the person who's working on the object has acquired the object into his own possession while he's working on it, and therefore, when he gives it back to her, he's actually giving her something of his own, and therefore he can marry her with that thing. Umar Savar, the other one holds, the Chacham, the sages hold, that the craftsman who's working on something does not actually acquire the object, and therefore it's her object, and he can't marry her with her object. Another explanation, the Kuleyam, everyone agrees, that the craftsman does not acquire the object as he makes it better. Everyone agrees that you're working from beginning to end and you're getting paid for each moment and therefore the money is owed to him. And we try to get married with money that's owed, you can't get married. What's the case over here? That he added on, besides for the work that he's supposed to do, he also added an emerald of his own. And he wants to marry her with that emerald. And the issue has to do with this, the Marsavar, Rabbi Meru says that they're considered marriage because he holds that when you give her a milve, meaning the money that she's owed, and you're saying that you don't owe it to me anymore, and you also give her money besides, so then her mind is on that money besides, and therefore they're going to be considered married. Umarsa, what the sages say, that no, in fact, her mind is on the money that she's getting forgiven, and she thinks that she's getting married with that, because that's a much greater thing for her, perhaps, and therefore you can't get married with a milve. We plucked it the Hani Tanoi, and this actually involves an argument in the following Brisa as well. The Tani we learned in a Brisa, Bishar Shazisimach, Einu Mekudeshis. If let's say he tries to marry her with money that she owes him already for a job that he's already done, they're not considered married. Why? Because that's exactly like Mekadesh Bimilva trying to marry with money that's owed to her. However, Bishar Shazisimach Mekudeshis, the Tanakama holds that since it's Chiru Slibasoif, when do I get paid? Only at the very end. So therefore, I can marry you if I state beforehand that I'm going to marry you before you actually owe the money. Rabbi Nassan, Rabbi Nassan says, however, if you try to do that, it doesn't work because Rabbi Nassan holds that that you're actually owed the money every moment from beginning to end and therefore it's a milva and therefore you can't get married with that money and certainly if we're talking about a case where she already owes him the money for a previous work that he can't marry her with that money Yehuda Hanasi Yehuda Hanasi adds another case in either of those cases Yehuda Hanasi agrees that that you're getting paid for each moment you are, are owed money for each moment and therefore it's a milva considered alone, you can't get married with money that is not his. So, what's the case? However, if you add on an emerald of his own, you can be married with that. So now, now between the first man, the Amar, and Rabbi Nassim, what's the difference? So the difference is, as we explained, the Tanakama holds that when, do you, when does she owe the money at the very end? Therefore, before she owes the money, he can marry her with that. So, but this, the Tana, the middle Tana, Rabbi Nassim holds that no, it's and it's already owed to him the money, and therefore he can't marry her with that. What's the difference between Rabbi Nassim and Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi? 
milva upruta. If the case is where you're adding on something extra besides for the milva, that whether or not marsav or milva upruta daitea milva. So Rabbi Nosson holds that even if you add it on that nofach, that emerald, so you're still not going to be married. Why? Because she's thinking about the money that she's getting uh, forgiven on. Umarsav or daitea pruta. And Rabbi Yehuda Nasi holds no. When you give her that extra emerald, she will be thinking about the emerald and not about the money that's being nimchal, that's being forgiven to her. And therefore, she will indeed become married. We begin the Mishnah. Be married to me with this cup of wine. And it turns out, when she looks at it, it's a cup of honey. Be married to me with this cup of honey, and it turns out to be wine. Be married to me with this coin of silver, and it turns out that it's a golden coin. Be married to me with this golden coin, and it turns out that it's silver. Be married to me on the condition that I'm rich, and it turns out to be poor. Be married to me on the condition that I'm poor, and it turns out to be rich. All these cases, so she's been tricked and they're not considered married. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, If the mistake was actually a positive thing, meaning he says he's poor but he turns out to be rich, so then they are considered married. We learned that Be married to me, says the man, with this cup. So one Bryce says, They get married that she gets both the cup itself and that, that which is inside of it. We have another bracelet that says, He's only marrying her with the cup and not that which is inside of it. We have another bracelet that says, They're getting married with that which is inside of it and not with the cup. It's not a steer, it's not a contradiction. Depends what we're talking about. If we're talking about water, so then the water is not so important, so she, he's marrying her with a cup. If we're talking about wine, so the wine is more important than the cup, therefore, he must be talking about the wine. And if we're talking about the tziara, one understanding in Rashi is we're talking about some kind of dip. And the dip needs the cup, meaning, in order, something that you don't just use in one shot, use it over a few days. So therefore, you need the cup as well. So you need the dip and the cup, and he means to marry her with both. Now the Gemara continues. Rabbi Shimon said that if let's say the mistake was actually something which was a positive mistake, he said he's going to give her a silver coin, he gave her a golden coin. So they're considered married. Now the Gemara asks, but let's say Rabbi Shimon, does Rabbi Shimon not hold to the following statement? We have this brice, or perhaps it's a Mishnah that says, that let's say the deal was to sell wine, and it turned out to be vinegar. Or even if it wasn't in the other direction, they planned to sell vinegar, the person meant to buy vinegar, and it turned out that it was wine. So the guy can still back out. Both of them can back out. We can deduce that the reason is because there are some people who actually prefer vinegar, and there's some who prefer to have wine. So even though wine has a greater value, wine is a better thing, nevertheless, since what I originally wanted was vinegar, so I can back out. So how can Rabbi Shimon say, uh, across the board rule, that if, if the mistake was something which was a positive mistake, which was a better thing that she's getting. Maybe she doesn't want that. Maybe she doesn't want silver. Maybe she wants gold. Meaning, also in this case, those who, who prefer to have silver, she has a silver bracelet, she wants it to match with her silver necklace, and she doesn't want gold. I found a bai that he was sitting and explaining this idea, this Mishnah, to his son. He said to him, what's the case over here? The mistake wasn't from her perspective, it was actually from his perspective. As follows, He said to his messenger, Lend me a coin of silver, and go and marry this woman, plainness, such and such a woman. What did he do? He went, instead of giving the woman a coin of, of silver, he gave a coin of gold. So one holds that when he says, the Tanakama holds that when he says that he means to give her he wants to give her a, a silver coin. He means what he says. And Rabbi Shimon holds no. When I say silver, I mean at least silver. So the Gemara says, wait. 
If that's the case, if the case is that the mistake was in regards to the to the man, we're talking about a messenger, it shouldn't say, be married to me, it should have said the case was where you said, be married to him if there's a messenger here. It shouldn't say, she was mistaken. It should say, he was mistaken. He's the one who got tricked. That's what it should say. Nimsa, it shouldn't say that it turned out. From the beginning, when she received it, it was also gold. So Rabbi says, Both I and the lion of the group explained it. Umanu, who's this lion? Who's this great one of the group? Rabbi Chibar Avin. It's referring to Rabbi Chibar Avin. Here's the explanation. She said to her messenger, Go out and receive my kedushin, my marriage, me plain from so and so. Because he said to me that he's going to marry me with a coin of silver. The messenger went, And what did the man give the messenger? A coin of gold. So now, what happens? Marsa so one holds, meaning the Tanakama holds, that she's still mocked, but she really means that she wants silver. Even though she didn't go herself and personally see to it that she's getting silver, she really does mean what she says. And Rabbi Shimon holds no. And in such a case where she doesn't actually go herself, that's showing that she doesn't really care that much. And therefore, when she says silver, she means at least silver. So what does it mean when it says that in the end it turned out that it was gold? The Lisa, that he had actually placed it in some kind of bag that uh, when the messenger got it, he didn't see what it was. So only when she opened it up later on did it become clear that it turned out to be gold. We'll continue from here in the next Daily Daf with Hashem's help.